Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined as always by my lovely, amazing co-host, Oliver Gilmore. How are you doing? I'm good, Harrison. We're traveling to the Big Apple. New York. New, New York. York. The city that never sleeps. It's a fantastic place to visit and it's one we've both visited. So we've both got our own unique perspectives on it. It's going to be great to talk all things New York. We've also got the New York Stock Exchange coming up for you in our opening segment uh, where we'll give you some stocks we're buying and stocks we're selling. Uh, We've also got our usual icon of New York and some mailbag questions at the end. It's going to be a really fun episode. Now, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you follow us on all of the socials at road trip sports pod we're on facebook we're on instagram we are on tiktok uh we'd love to uh, increase our presence a bit more on tiktok we've been a bit quiet on that lately so give us some ideas if you've got things you'd like to see from us send them through we'd love to be making the content that you guys love to consume uh we're also on youtube road trip sports podcast is where you can find us uh you can find us as well if you'd like to send any inquiries road trip sports podcast at gmail.com is how you can get in contact with us to share your stories your thoughts your opinions we'd love to hear from them it's been great in past episodes having that interaction with our fans and having their thoughts and opinions on the podcast like we had your partner Josie last week Um, so yeah if you want to get in touch with us that'd be the best way to get on the show Uh, it's so exciting New York Uh, I think it's uh, time for us to get into it with our opening segment yeah, the Big Apple, worthy of two parts, mate. So It is worthy of two parts. We're going to do this in two parts, like we did the LA episode. For such big cities, there's so much to discuss. So this week, we're going to talk about the indoor uh, venues in uh, New York. And then we're going to have our icon chat about all the iconic players, both indoor and outdoor, uh, for New York. But we've got an opening segment. And this opening segment is sponsored and brought to you by Krusty Burger. Hey, It's your old pal Harrison with Krusty Burger's new pork sandwich, The Clogger. If you can find a greasier burger, you're in Mexico. (laughs) There you go. Thank you, Krusty Burger. Thank you, Krusty the Clown, for your unwavering support there. All right. So this segment is the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Ollie, do you want to tell us a bit about what we're going to do in this segment? Yeah, so we... I'm going to have a quick discussion today and we're going to let you all know what we are buying and what we are selling. So this may be players, it may be teams, it may be anything really, um, but what we really think is relevant and trending upwards and vice versa, what we think is uh, trending down. Yeah, that's the way. (laughs) Doing the little stock slide. Um, So... Do you want to kick us off? Oh, it's been the draft recently, so there's probably going to be a big NFL presence in this segment. Ollie, do you have some stocks you're buying? I do. Let's get underway. Alrighty, let's get underway with our buying segment. So, the first person that I am buying is Malik Willis. Um, and now he's the new quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Well, the backup quarterback for now anyway, Harrison. Mm. Um, he fell to pick 86 in the 2022 NFL Very draft. Very surprising, hey? Yeah, and, that, and that's why I'm buying low. And I'm holding on to what I consider to be a very, very low price. Um, it was a surprise fall, and we saw him projected as high as number two overall this year. He was talked about as one of the best uh, quarterback prospects in the draft as well. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see why he fell so much and why every single team 
uh, said no to him. Uh, but the Titans are a team where they've got Tannehill in place. So what do you think happens with Tannehill going forward uh, now that Malik Willis is in the building? Well, I think he is there, and I think he's going to sit out the year unless there is injury. That is Willis. Um, yeah. And I also think it helps with Tannehill's contract situation. So this year, say Willis comes out all guns blazing, tears it up in training camp, and they want to start him. Um, they're not going to save much money by cutting Tannehill, um, as that would leave $57.4 million in dead money. Ooh, so they're only ooh, saving ooh. like $18 million in the salary cap. But next year, rather, complete different story. The team can save $27 million against the cap if it cuts Tannehill post-June 1st, and they'll only take on $9.6 million of dead money. So he's an option next year, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting because Tannehill, uh, while credited with a lot of the recent success of the Titans, did carry a lot of that blame in the uh, playoff game against the Bengals. The the Bengals um, let in nine sacks and Tannehill still couldn't get it uh, over the line. So it's sort of like Tannehill's prove it year. If he proves it and he does well, he sticks around and can mentor the kid for a bit longer. But they've got that explosive, dynamic quarterback waiting in the wings ready to take over in need well i think Tannehill, with the juries it's out but i don't think he's ever been really a great quarterback like you're not going to rely on him to win your games he's that safe quarterback that can sort of do a little bit of everything but primarily with that run game with henry that's what their that's what their offense is built on so they don't need that superstar quarterback so i i think the expectations that we saw last season i think were a little bit unfounded as such you know yeah i can i can see that i can see that um yeah i think it's gonna be an interesting year for the titans so let me hear your who are you buying harrison i am buying the baltimore ravens i think they had an incredible draft i think that They've drafted at least three instant plug-in starters uh, early in the draft, and they they filled a lot of positions of need. They got some running backs to help out because last year their biggest struggle was they lost all of their running backs. They had a very one-dimensional attack. It was Lamar Jackson's going to rush the ball or he's going to throw the ball, and teams didn't uh, sort of buy Lamar Jackson throwing the ball uh, consistently enough to consider it a threat. So having that those options at running back, having uh, skill position players across the field, having three plug-in starters drafted, I think it's big for them. I think that dealing Hollywood Brown uh, was a a savvy move that these sorts of franchises tend to make often. They sell high on talent. I think they've sold high on Hollywood Brown uh, while there's still value there to be had. Um, on the return and I think that it, they're a smart organization they're always going to be up there and uh, they also drafted um, Daniel Falele who is an Australian prospect he um, Melbourne boy who went over to the IMG Academy in Florida um, then played for Minnesota um, so look to him to be sort of the next Jordan Mailata Aussie success story with just a little bit of an Aussie shout out from an Aussie podcast yeah there you go and I think that Marquise Brown trade could be anything it could shallow their wide receiver depth which is probably already shallow yes um, but as you mentioned there they struggled with the running backs last year jk dobbins is back from that acl mm-hmm. um they'll have more depth at that position and i think 
they utilize that running back quarterback punch um just run every play really and, and yeah. see how it goes so who can stop them who's well, fast it. enough that's it you've got to have a really really good run defense and it's hard to stop a team not getting three yards every play especially when you've got great legs to to get those yards exactly right exactly right all right it's your turn next who are you buying Okay, so I am buying stocks in the New York Jets. Now You're you throwing away this. your money. You are going to hate this. I absolutely hate this. I hate it already. Tell me why. Tell me why you're wasting your money. Well, no franchise is more synonymous with fans booing their selections like the goddamn Jets. Their own fans hate them as much as I do. <laughs> However... To my surprise, and I'm sure definitely to yours, I think they have one of the best drafts out of any team in the NFL this year. Won't help them. Well, they have a little bit of talent I consider now. They drafted the best cornerback in the draft in Source Gardner at four. They got Ohio State speed star and wide receiver Garrett Wilson at pick 10. And I think this year's Micah Parsons is Jermaine Johnson the third. And not to mention, they nailed picks in the later rounds of the draft. So... What have you got to say about that, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jets hater? Good luck to them. They're going to a, an organization, a system that sucked for 54 years now. They've not been relevant or good since Super Bowl three, And yeah, good luck to them. Well, I'm buying low. You, the are, Jets, bu- the you Jets- are buying as low as possible. And if you sell at slightly higher, then I guess that's a win I was going to say, so when they win the first two games of the year or something, I don't know if they're playing the Dolphins in the first two games, but if they are... There's some slander towards you, but uh, if they buy the, if they win the first two games, maybe I'll sell then, and everyone will be like, "Oh, the Jets, the as, Jets." As a Dolphins fan, there are three games I want to win all year. One's the Super Bowl, and the other two are my games against the Jets. That's if, the way. If we get two out of three of those each year, I'm happy. Alrighty, well, I think that just about does my buys. But what is your last one there, Harrison? So it's our first a non-NFL buy, and for this one, and it's one of my teams, but I'm buying Benzema to win the Ballon d'Or this year. He has been absolutely clutch. There has not been a player who has come up big in the big moments more this year than Kareem Benzema. Every time Real Madrid need a goal, he is the one to do it. I, It was a disappointing game. of, uh, In the end, the result was disappointing. Sorry, the the game itself was a very exciting game to watch uh, Man City versus Real Madrid. Benzema saved Real Madrid in a game that Man City should have put him away. Man City had the chance. They had them on the ropes. They had them ready to knock out, but they couldn't get the knockout. And now coming back to Real Madrid, coming back to the Bernabeu for the second leg, Man City coming to Madrid, and they've got it. They have got to win that game because Madrid are going to come at them hard. I think that Man City didn't put them away. I think that Madrid come back. They win this game. They go on to win the final. And Ballon d'Or, the Ballon d'Or is going to Benzema this year. Wouldn't there be some animosity in your household if Real Madrid knocked off Man City? <laughs> I would love it. I would absolutely love it and never let him live it down. I think your purchase here is an example of buying a blue chip stock. Yeah. So, you're buying a stock here that's got some reliability behind it. It's a bit of an Apple. It's a bit of a Coca-Cola, but there's still that potential for growth there. Oh, there's still that potential. They're bringing out the new iPhone and it's coming and it's coming quickly. 
yeah that's the way so i suppose now we'll probably move along to our selling part um yeah so i'll play a bit of a sound effect we won't do it for everyone here because i i suppose once you hear it you might realize why we're uh while we're sparing you (laughs) (laughs) all these stocks are crap there we have rid of them and um, my my first sell, yep. um, my big fart. <laughs> <laughs> big wet fart as after the last had, couple yeah. of rounds. Um, I had very, very minimal stock in the Newcastle Knights for the start of the 2022 season. Yep. But that stock has now sunk <laughs> rock at Nobby's Beach. <laughs> um, so uh, they start the season uh, on fire. Yep. They finish round two on top of the NRL ladder. Six weeks later, they find themselves Ooh. on the bottom of the ladder, losing Ooh. six in a row. Those poor Newey Knights. They can't even get above the Tigers, mate. Ooh. What do you say about that? The Tigs, they lose last week. But either way, bottom of the ladder for the Knights. We should have bought stocks on the Tigers. Yeah, we should have <laughs> bought them a couple of weeks ago yeah. and sold them. Because um, I think they're still crap. But anyway, oh, so sure this might seem like an easy option and... Whilst you probably think I'm not going out a limb here, I think the Knights have still got a pretty solid roster. They've got Ponga, they've got Clifford, Pierce, Saifidi, and Frizzell. Um, this team, though, they've absolutely stunk it up. And Knights fans, as I mentioned after round two, they booked their grand final tickets. And, <laughs> they sure uh, did. There was a lot of talk I saw online. All the Knights fans came out of the woodwork. This is the year. Oh God! Every year. How it you happens. feeling? How you feeling? Every. God damn year, Eat it, it happens. Eat it, Knights fans. <laughs> anyway, so um, it's come back to haunt them for those that have bought those grand final tickets. But uh, I think they might just sell them off to the Storm or sell them off to the the Panthers or someone who you think is actually going to make it there. Panthers and buy them today and know they're a 90% chance of making it. Yeah, that's it. They've got a good team. So we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm certainly uh, selling the Newcastle Knights there. Yeah, um, my big sell uh, at the moment again team that I didn't have much stock in, but everyone else seems to be having so much stock in the St Kilda Saints. So they were getting a lot of pop before their recent loss to Port Adelaide, and I I, I don't see it. I, I'm sorry, I don't see it. Their wins have been against inferior bottom ten opponents. You're looking at Gold Coast, GWS, like these teams aren't terribly crash hot, and they lost this week to Port, which kind of highlights all the issues that they've still got going on. They're not, they're not at that level yet. Where t- people are calling them like a top four team, like they could be a top four by the end of the season. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Well, I, funnily enough, I sort of felt the same way about Frio last week, but now Frio have got that game behind them where they've beaten Geelong in Geelong, so yeah. it's like you can't help but to sort of give them the credit. But St Kilda, as you mentioned, haven't beaten anyone good, like. Like, just because you've stacked a lot of wins early against inferior opponents, it comes to roost later. And they're, they're had, they've had their fun. They're going to start sliding down the ladder with some key losses coming up. And, yeah, the one exception, they beat Frio. Like, so St. Kilda beat Frio in the early, early in the year. But it was round two. And how much stock can you put in a round two win when Frio are just now sort of starting to hit their form? That's the only good team they've beaten. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um 
yeah, look, the jury's still out. They have got these hard opponents coming up. So whether they get the job done or they continue to stink it up, they kicked so many behinds last week. And oh, it was dis- both teams did. That was a disgusting game of football. Long story short, do not play night games in dewy cans because no. uh, it doesn't end up well. But yeah. No, thank you. Um, what about your next selling? Now, I'm probably a week or so late with the media, but I wanted to get this in here because I, like I myself, like many others, hates it. Um, and it is the umpire descent rule. <laughs> now, Harrison, <laughs> as an umpire, joke. as that an umpire, you calling it a joke um, probably says enough about it in itself. I yeah, I am a former AFL umpire, and I think it is absolutely abhorrent. And as an umpire, and I think a lot of umpires hopefully agree with me, I think it's done a lot of damage to umpire-player relations. I think that there's no trust there anymore between the players and the umpires to know that the umpires are acting in the players' best interest. That It's just ridiculous. You've got you've to give some benefit of the doubt sometimes. Shaking your head is not dissent. It's body language. Like, shrugging your shoulders is not dissent. Unless they're abusing an umpire, disagreeing with a decision, with your body language, not even saying anything, that should be fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've played sports, you've played sports, you get angry with a decision, no matter whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just a human reaction. You're upset with yourself most of the time. The worst thing, the worst thing is they always say umpires are human. Umpires make mistakes. Exactly. Players are human too. Players are going to have natural human reactions. And as long as they're not abusing an umpire or aggressively or actively looking to cause conflict with an umpire, there shouldn't be any problem with shaking your head, shrugging your shoulders, putting your arms up. Well, that's the thing. What's the intention of the rule? It's to rule out abuse towards the umpires to increase umpire engagement at a community level so they can you know you think about your local level umpires being abused on the sidelines by players whatever it may be you want to scrap that out so more kids go oh, okay you look maybe i'm not so good at footy or maybe have a different interest in umpiring i like adjudicating the rules whatever it may be and here's an option for me i know it's not going to cause me grief every saturday yeah so that's why they've rubbed it up this this is just it's, it's, it's extreme. It's, it's not just a step too far. It's three steps too far. I think that it's done a lot of damage uh, where players are now so frustrated with umpiring. And there's been a lot of other controversial rules lately that have been implemented that haven't been taken to by the Australian public. I know we talked before the podcast about the stand rule, and I know you're not uh, particularly opposed to it, but a large majority of the AFL viewing population completely disagree with it and think it's ridiculous. And I think that the the extent to the rule is paid is a bit ridiculous where they can't move a muscle on the mark like and react naturally uh, to things. I, I think players are now abusing it uh, when they've got the mark and when they've, they've got their defender standing on the mark, I think they're abusing it a little bit. I know it's a little bit apart from uh, what we're talking about at the moment, but I just think that trust is gone from the umpires. Players, fans, officials, no one trusts what the umpires are going to do. And there's so much, yeah, there's so much mistrust and there's so much lack of understanding of what is a free kick. Well, that's the thing. The, it's not meant to bring um, criticism towards the umpires, this rule and, and what the AFL's put forward. But in the, so, in the social media, in the media itself, everyone's criticising it. It's criticism towards the umpires, criticism towards the AFL, and no one enjoys it. 
I'd the umpires, be, I don't think, certainly like adjudicating it either. I'd be really interested because you've only heard from Brad Scott, the umpire boss, and you've heard from Gil McLaughlin. You haven't actually heard from what the umpires think of the rule. But uh, what are I'd they going to say? Love, oh, Speak I, out in I front know, of your boss. I know, exact, I know exactly what they're going to say, but I'd love to be in those change rooms, having those conversations with them, seeing what they actually think of the rule because I think they think it's as ridiculous as we do. Okay, so moving on, this will be our last sell. Yep. So, Harrison, who are you selling? Oh, this this hurts me. This hurts me. I am selling the Sydney Swans. Okay. Can you give me some explanation here? So, it's been a lingering problem that I noticed a lot last year and it's crept back this year. They just... It's like they're asleep for the first quarter. And almost the first half of games. You've seen it. You've seen it against North, against Hawks, this weekend against Brisbane Lions, the game they lost against Western Bulldogs. They've slept their way through the first half thinking that they're talented enough to make it back. They need to get into games earlier. Um, against the bad teams, they can usually claw their way back. You saw that against North. You saw that against Hawthorne where they claw their way back throughout the game and finally overrun them by the end. But against the quality opponents, they can't get the job done. They, they're giving too much rope to the other team and they're not able to claw it back. I think until they can prove that they can come out of the gate hard against these quality opponents and really give it to them early, I think that's what they need uh, to be one of those quality sides that we look at as a top four premiership contender. I think they can get there. But right now, this week, I'm selling the Swans. Interesting. Because if you're selling, I'm going to take up your offer. I'm going to buy some of that stock that you're selling. Because I still think the Swans are a good team, mate. I, I know that you're selling them based on their, their recent performances, which 100% I agree with. But I think the thing is with Swans fans, because I mean, I'm a Carlton fan. I've been deprived of success for so, so many years. So I've been riding the ups and downs and I think as Swans fans, you, you're very, very lucky. Yeah, and it does come 100%. back. But it, that's not a bad thing because it, it just how things are. Like you're very, very lucky with what you have. And it's like as soon as you get a couple of bad weeks, you question things. And that's why Swans fans and the teams up the top get criticized for being fickle. But it's it's just one of those things where you've just got to really trust you guys. I, I, I would, man. I've, got, I've seen a lot of young guys in that list. So I think... You know what? You beat Brizzy last year. I think you can beat Brizzy. I think you're one of the teams that could maybe knock off Melbourne if you have your right day. Mm. Um, and that's just enough for me where I might go, I might take a little bit of that stock from you. But I think, look, I can certainly understand why you're selling them for this week after their past performances. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a lingering issue where even if they win, they're not doing it convincingly lately. They're not putting away... like They always talk about it in a lot of sports, the great, the good teams win a lot of games the great teams put away bad teams early they put them away and make it done they're not doing that they're letting these inferior teams into games and having to give themselves hard games where they could have it they could knock the team over in the first half crush their spirit like they did against the eagles that was one of the best performances i've seen for the swans in a long time they need more of those against the bad teams they're not getting enough of those consistent quality performances yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the second half of the season entails with the Sydney Swans. For sure, and I'm hoping for the best. I, I, I think they've, like you said, they've got a talented list, they've got a talented roster. I just hope they can put it together when it counts. Alrighty, well, I guess that takes us into New York now. So, 
Would you like me to give you some fast facts, Harrison? I would love that. I love New York as a city and it's somewhere I would definitely visit again and again and again. Tell me all about New York. Alrighty, so New York City, it comprises five boroughs sitting where the Hudson River meets the Atlantic Ocean. Um, at its core is Manhattan, a densely populated borough that's among the world's most commercial, financial and cultural centers. Um, so if you're traveling to New York, you often see everyone hanging out in Manhattan on those red steps, mm. um, all of those billboards in the city center as well. Times Square. They, uh, there's too many uh, to the list of the amazing places to visit in New York. I remember playing a, um, a big Spider-Man uh, PlayStation game. Yep, yep. And one of my favorite parts was just swinging around a Spider-Man, taking pictures of all the landmarks. Like, <laughs> not actually like fighting a Spider-Man or doing all the cool stuff. It's just like, I just love how dense... It's New a polarizing with, city with culture, and there's there's an identity there, and it's definitely not just for sport. But if you've never been to New York, you have to go, and don't go for a day. You need a you need a week to even start to experience New York. You can't do it in less than a week. Yeah, one hundred percent. And sport in New York as a as a podcast as a sports podcast, we are um, we will chat about that. So. It does have a long and distinguished history. It's the home to the headquarters of the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, WNBA, and MLS. It's the headquarters of sport. Exactly. So the financial district there, they they love um, getting behind and supporting all of those leagues. But also, yeah, with all those headquarters there, imagine just working for had an organization that'd be insane yeah I've, I've seen a couple of the um officers when i went uh we went around and saw all their headquarters and just insane massive buildings and yeah it takes a lot to run a professional sports league like they do and yeah incredible you'd love to be a fly on the wall in some of those buildings absolutely absolutely so there are a number of teams which we are excited to talk about today from yep. New York, or sure. in your case, Rip the Shreds. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a bad day to be a Jets fan if you're a fan of the podcast. Yeah, so some of these teams do include the Knicks in the NBA and Giants and Jets in the NFL, um, just to name a few. For sure, for sure. Um, so, uh, you've been to... Uh, you've been. So, we're going to talk about the indoor venues that we've been to. You've been to New York and you've seen quite a few different sports in New York. Do you want to tell us about some of the things you've seen? Yeah. So, I traveled to New York. Um, this would have been part of my first... I think my first trip... It was in 2016, but one of the first trips that I've talked about. Um, and we traveled to New York as a family just after the HSC. Pretty similar to you when you went away. Where yeah. do you want to go? I, was, uh, I wasn't 18 at the time, so it was just made sense for me. Yeah. Um, but we decided to go to New York um, and see a bit of sports, see everything that they had to offer. Yeah. Um, and just outside of New York, we had Brooklyn. Um, oh, and I yeah. traveled to the Brooklyn Nets versus Golden State Warriors game, which was a really, really cool experience. Yeah, awesome. So was that at the uh, Barclays Center there? It was, yes. And this was when the Warriors still had Kevin Durant, um, yeah. Steph Curry. The Warriors. Yeah. That that amazing Warriors team they they got the job done on the day I think it was 117 to 101 yep um I think Kevin Durant had 26 points just a they were just in cruise control yeah. which for so many games they were just go out there and and get the job done I remember their their 50% is better than almost teams 100% yeah that's exactly right and I remember the the stadium in particular I mean it was a 
any game where the Warriors comes to New York, it's expensive. Yeah, of course. So we had to go bleachers. We had to go right up the top. Yeah, I was about to ask, what was the what was the game day experience like? Um, I think we got a we travelled by subway. Yep. Um, it was a night game, so we travelled by subway. Would you say that's the best way to travel for a New York I, game? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the traffic in New York is notoriously. Yeah, bad. I wouldn't drive. I mean, the public transport system is is one of New York's. I suppose it's 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 a highlight for sure. Yeah, it'd be a highlight. I mean, yeah. a few people criticise it for the creatures you get on there, but <laughs> that's that's a different story. The uh, infrastructure itself is fine. It's the uh, yeah, what's inside the infrastructure that uh, yeah, so is I the s- issue. Yeah, that's right. And I, I particularly remember just this where we were sitting, being yep. right at the bleachers. But it was steep, man. Like I'm talking like steep, very very steep. Like yeah. near falling over, face first steep. Like it oh. was just. Like you were holding under the rails as you were walking down. I remember it being just really, really steep. Yeah, so um, not ideal for uh, to watch at the bleachers. I or? don't think so. I yeah. I think I don't think so. I think it's obviously made New York. It's probably made for all the the high ballers and the high rollers. So yeah, um, all of those were enjoying. There was plenty of celebrities there. I remember, but yeah, just oh, that's but what all, I remember about that game. I mean, I guess the argument could be made that a tall bleacher means you're closer to the action. Where if it if it raises it that less of an incline that you're further away from the court but you want to you want your fans to be comfortable yeah that's right that's right was Um, there any stuff around the uh around the arena there to get involved in not really not really from memory um they had like a big state like a big um almost a team store across the road yeah but not really they didn't have too much going on how did you feel coming in as an away fan i don't know if we've i don't have we had a a game yet where we've been the away fan for one of them? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say no. But I'm going to say, I, I can't recall one. How was it being an away fan there? Was there much jeering from Nets fans or was there, yeah, well, bands were going on? Well, or? around that, that 2016, 2017 yeah, season. What can, what can they say? Everyone's a, everyone's a bandwagon. So yeah. there's just so many like Warriors fans that were there. I'd say it would probably be 30% Warriors, 70% Nets. But up in the bleachers, there was a lot of Nets fans with us. So, you know, with their thick accents, just talking crap. And uh, they were behind. They were absolutely going off about Brook Lopez. They just loved him. Like, yeah. the big, tall Brooklyn player. Like, just, they were loving him. But, um, yeah, like, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. It wasn't like your traditional, I'm surrounded by Brooklyn Nets fans and I'm scared for my life. Yeah. No, it was just like a pretty, fairly neutral for what it was, I'd say. Oh, cool. Cool. Um. So what else did you do in in New York? You uh, you went to Madison Square Garden. I did. Yeah, I went on the MSG tour, which you were unfortunately unable to do. Is yeah, that right? I think it was it wasn't on at the time, or we couldn't go for some reason. But how was it? Because it was something I was looking forward to. Yeah. So we obviously tried to get in to watch a, a Knicks game at MSG, but it just didn't line up. Yeah. Um, which is often the case, you know, if, if Brooklyn's playing in New York, they tend to, the Knicks to be away a, a yeah. um, and vice versa. So we did the MSG tour, um, which was a, lo- a lot of, we walked basically around everywhere and it was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, obviously it wasn't all access. We saw the, the change rooms. We weren't allowed to go in. It was roped off. Yeah. But we saw the big Knicks logo in the middle. That's cool. Um, and walk through some of the suites. And um, one thing that was really memorable was the catwalk. They have a top um, MSG. Yep. So if you were to look up that, it's basically, you know, you th- look up at the top of a stadium and you might see like 
no, it's 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 sort of a bit hard to describe, but um, it was really cool. Like we'd walk over, and it's got like little TVs, like you can yeah, watch awesome. games and stuff. And but you also look over um, the court or whatever's going on, Ooh. which is really cool. So if, yeah. if you have a chance, look up the catwalk at MSG. So it's like it's a really hard thing to describe, but it was really really cool. So yeah, awesome. We thought to ourselves, I think it's called the Chase Bridge from memory from yep. the Chase Bank. Um, so we looked at that and we thought to ourselves wow this is really really cool so we looked at some events that were coming up and we saw okay we can get tickets on this catwalk or the chase bridge or whatever it was called and we can watch the wwe in a couple days time no really yeah so that was really cool we sat up there um and watched um the wwe I believe it might have been a SmackDown, but it might have just been like a holiday show. I believe they do one at MSG. Yeah, they, they any the, the house shows at MSG are just about as important as the uh, regular TV. They've a lot of titles change hands at those uh, at those shows. Yeah, I can't quite recall whether um, there was a title change, but I, I just remember one particular match in particular. Um, there was a John Cena fan, and he was like, he had all his John Cena gear on. And the whole time he was just, you know, like bouncing, like you could just tell he was really excited for yeah. John to come out and didn't really say anything. And we're like, okay, righto. Um, anyway, John Santa comes out and he just wouldn't shut up the whole match. Oh no. He's screaming and he's commentating and he's like, abs- oh, I just no. remember that. And it didn't dull the experience, but it was actually pretty cool. Like to see the fandom almost. Was, yeah. Uh, it was pretty crazy, but yeah. So that was that was probably me though. To be fair, when, <laughs> when I was going to shows to see John Cena win the Brisbane Cup, maybe not as a forty-year-old man though. That's the difference. Yeah, that, that's oh, I don't know. Give me give me sixteen years. See see how you go, man. Yeah. So if you do have a chance, look up that Chase Bridges. I, I was I was talking about. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. It's an incredible view of the uh, of the court. It's like they've got like a bar. It's almost like a bar set up. Yeah. But then down below they've got some more seats and they've got the little TV. So I remember like chucking on the basketball and watching like a bit of basketball on that day and then watching um watching the wrestling as it was going on in the in the commercials and stuff but yeah it was just really cool so that was probably the most memorable moment from my msg experience along with that tour yeah that's so cool that's so cool um so is there anything else you did in in new york that you want to talk about i did really enjoy the nba store yeah Um, i went there too yeah how'd you find that yeah really cool really cool um it's great to have something that's just dedicated to that sport. Um, and yeah, every team represented, uh, you can get yeah so much merch, so much available and just being in that vibe, um, like um, TVs on the walls, everything. Uh, I loved it. My favorite thing is the custom jerseys that you can get. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get your team with your number on there or whatever it may be, um, you can get crook on the back with the Lakers and your number yeah. and take that home with you. And that's sort of a bit of a memory you can take from New York to know that you got it from there. Because I don't think you can order online, but it's just not the same. It's you know? never the same. You yeah. get to see it happen. I mean, and I guess you can go to your individual team store to get it done. But to get it done in New York like that for any team, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, 100%. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about our indoor sports in New York? Uh, I don't think... So. I went to the N- NHL store as well uh, when we were in... Because we were just walking around. Going I didn't to even know they had one. There was, yeah. I got a, I got a Rangers puck 
from there. Because um, I'm not the biggest, I'm not going to proclaim to be the biggest hockey fan, but if I had to pick a team, I'd probably go for the Rangers. Like whenever I'm playing the PlayStation game, I'll, I'll pick the Rangers. Um, but yeah, so because I, I sort of thought I had to have one of these New York teams. I love Madison Square Garden. I like the city. Um, but yeah, there was an NHL store that was pretty cool as well. And it very similar setup to the NBA store. Um, all the teams represented. Um, the New York one's a little bit heavier represented in there, but as to be expected. But yeah, it was yeah awesome stuff. And it's awesome to be immersed in sport like that. They're really good at that full sport immersion where I feel like Australia lacks that a lot. Where you go to a place and you can... You can just fully go. This is like all in. This is my my, my hobby, my life, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it's it's saturated, but saturated in a good way. There's so much yeah. stuff there that you can just pick and choose what you want to do. Uh, you can like like we said, you'd spend a week in New York. You could just do sports for a week in New York. You do like doing all the stadiums and all the all the tours, going to games. You could just do a week full of sport in New York and uh, never never see the same team twice either. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so I think that's, uh, takes us into the icon of New York now, and it's going to be a big discussion. We're going to do it a bit similar to how we did the LA one. We're going to do a bit of a bracket style. So first of all, we wanted to clarify a couple of honorable mentions to people who are incredible talents and incredible icons for New York, but we're just a bit before our time. Uh, and these are mostly Yankees players because they've been around forever, but Guys that were just a bit before our time, and we couldn't, we didn't want to make an uneducated. Yeah, there's no personality to it as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so those guys are Babe Ruth, uh, so famous Yankees player, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, one of the most recognisable names of all time. You've also got Joe DiMaggio uh, and Lou Gehrig uh, as three very famous, very impressive, and great Yankees players who we just didn't feel qualified enough to uh, to have a proper opinion on. But let's get into it now. So our first round matchup, and this might be the toughest matchup of the bracket. Patrick Ewing. Did you want to take us through Patrick Ewing? Yeah, Patrick Ewing was a superstar for the Knicks. Absolutely. um, In the 80s and 90s. He was an 11-time All-Star, and he was named to seven All-NBA teams. He appeared in the NBA Finals twice in 1994 and 1999. Um, unfortunately, they didn't get the win in those. Yeah. Um, so he never won a title with the Knicks. A lot of people point to it as the Ewing problem where they built so much around him where they didn't actually build a quality contender. Um, what are your thoughts on Ewing and them not winning a title with him? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's difficult. Um when you you're dealing with that error, you're going against Michael Jordan and the yeah. Bulls, as we've mentioned many times before. You've just got to overcome so much, and that was why it's like anyone that played during that era. Can you really knock them when that that era is dominated by MJ and the Bulls? It's like they just couldn't get over that hump, and it's like almost can you blame them, sort of thing. Yeah, it's almost like you're versing a dream team. Like you look at all the other players on those uh, '90s Bulls teams, and Ewing didn't get enough help around him to. To try and match those teams. Yeah, and he did have... I was a, um, a big fan of John Starks, who yep. played for them. Um, but I just think that it wasn't enough. Um, yeah. They had some good pieces, but it's just like... It's it's just not enough. And it's like, what do you do? Do you just blow up the whole team and 
blow up the future of the team to try and um, get some wins and try and win the championship. But MJ dominates for six years. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's just you, really you, hard. You look as well with the um, with the whole thing that the Bulls were so... It was so hard to get by in the East. But under underlooked is the West often in that time. The West was tough and competitive as well. So the two yeah. times they actually got to the finals, they still couldn't get over the line because of all the tough West teams that were constantly vying to go up against Jordan's Bulls, but also were trying to compete for their own championships. Yeah, like you even had Charles Barkley and the Suns and you had um, Hakeem and the Rockets and it just goes on and on and on. And the Sonics with uh, Kemp and, and Peyton and they just had so many good teams that it's like... Wow. Off off topic, would you say 90s basketball is the greatest era of the NBA? It's difficult to say. I think it's probably the greatest and most competitive era. I don't think it's the most fun to watch. I think it. I think it's probably, right now, the way the game's um, evolved into a three-point shooting, um, very, very quick pace, high scoring, no more hand checks. So it's just, you can you see more baskets. I think that it's probably a bit better to watch these days. Yep. But in terms of competitiveness and, and the games and plays that we saw in the 90s in particular, I think that's probably got a very good argument for that greatest era of all time. Yeah. So Patrick Ewing is going up against Mr. November, the captain himself, Derek Jeter, one of the greatest Yankees players of all time. He played for the Yankees for 20 years. He won five World Series with the team. He holds the Yankees records for you. Are you ready? Hits, doubles, steals, games played. Just about every major record that the Yankees have available. Um, Derek Jeter has won. He's missed November for a reason. His World Series batting average is the uh, greatest in uh, baseball history. He got a World Series MVP and he's renowned for his clutch performances. Basically, anytime the Yankees needed someone to step up, it was always Mr. November. It was always Derek Jeter making that big play in the big moment. And there's so many iconic moments from Derek Jeter that you could talk about that are just absolutely incredible. I think that, yeah. One of the greatest baseball players of all time. He was he had the second highest uh, voting percentage uh, for the Baseball Hall of Fame. So he only missed out on one vote from being a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, incredible. What's that? What's that person thinking? Three hundred ninety-six of three hundred ninety-seven possible votes. <laughs> you're a, you're a flog, mate. Stubborn. <laughs> if you're the one person who thinks Derek Jeter isn't a Hall of Famer. You're a flog. <laughs> Obviously not a Yankees fan by the sounds of it. <laughs> he, he must love the Red Sox. He or is something. a Red Sox fan, died in the wool for sure. Um, but yeah, what else is there to say about Derek Jeter? Alrighty, well, do you want to move on to our next matchup? Well, we should probably decide first who who wins, Ewing mate, or Derek Jeter. I think, Gina? <laughs> I think uh, you know the answer, mate. I, but, think, um, I think we just need to make official. Derek Jeter, I think, is has to go through here. Yeah, no worries. Let's uh, let's kick on now. All right, so I'll bring us the next one, uh, Mariano Rivera. He's widely considered the greatest closer of all time. Now, we talked before about Derek Jeter having the second highest percentage uh, votes for the Hall of Fame. Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous Hall of Fame selection. Um, so, yeah, greatest closer of all time. He played 19 seasons for the Yankees. He also won the same five World Series that Derek Jeter won. Um, he's the MLB leader in saves and games finished. So he was a relieving uh, pitcher that was just, as soon as you saw Mariano Rivera's in the game, Yankees have got it. 
yeah, look, I, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I know that he's one of the best of all time. It's 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 that conversation. He's definitely in the conversation, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, it was scary. A tight game. They'd bring in Rivera, and it's like, oh, well, we know they're not scoring anymore. Let's see if the Yankees can pull it out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so he's going up against Jason Kidd. So um, do you want to tell us about Jason Kidd? Yeah, so Jason Kidd played for a few teams over his NBA career, but he played for the New Jersey Nets, as they were known, from 2001 to 2008, and actually had a little appearance for the New York Knicks in 2012 in his last year. Yep. Um, So he was an all-star and all-NBA first-team player for the Nets. Um, He finished third all-time for triple-doubles and second all-time for assists and steals. And I think he's one of the most underrated players NBA players. I agree. Even just hearing second all time in assistant steals, like they're two of the major five categories he's second in. That's that's unreal. It's one of those things where it's like there's been so many good point guards that he's just well and truly down the list, but like he's part of that 75th anniversary team, part of the top 75 players of all time. Yeah. And it's like he just doesn't, he's not in the conversation for anything. Yeah, he really isn't, is he? Yeah, it's it's just it's strange. It is strange. It's like Very. you know that steals and assists. Um, you've got John Stockton there, who he's just the first one that everyone goes to. But kid was a, a threat for triple doubles as well. You know, being able to get those rebounds. Um, yeah, and he did have a pretty profound impact for that Nets team when they were sort of starting up as such. Um, fairly new to the league there as well. So. It's I think t- it's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup. I think ultimately, if you're talking New York, I think he Rivera spent more seasons in New York. He spent his uh, yeah 19 seasons for the Yankees um, and had an absolutely incredible run. I think that Kid only spending like he spent the majority of his career at the Nets, but he had famous stints other places. He won his championship in Dallas uh, and then his coaching championship in LA. So. While he is synonymous with the Nets, does he really belong to New York? They were also New Jersey at the time. Does that make an impact? Look, it might. Um, But yeah, I think the one thing I want to say is that if Kid, and I think we've probably already acknowledged that he doesn't take this out, um, I think we need to acknowledge that he is very, very underrated and um, is a worthy finalist here as well. Yeah, he can be the icon of New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right Rivera is going through there uh next one i don't want uh this guy's name in my mouth just yet i need to take a couple of breaths first so would you like to tell us about the jets quarterback yeah joe Namath. so brought by joe um he's probably the new york jets best player of all time probably yeah close best qb yeah. um and he led them to that famous super bowl three victory um, and the first AFL win in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it was famous because he guaranteed a win. The Colts were heavy favoured. The Baltimore Colts, uh, led by Don Shula at the time, uh, famous coach that we've talked about as one of the Dolphins' most famous coaches. So he was coaching Baltimore Colts at the time. Uh, yeah, and they were they were ready to win. They had Johnny United still at quarterback. They were poised to win the Super Bowl. Everyone thought, well, it's just going to be the NFL's like it's just going to be a crowning achievement for the NFL team each year, and the the NFL or what what we now know as the NFC, but the NFL champion is going to just be the more impressive accolade rather than being the Super Bowl champion. But 
the Jets win really changed that. It it made it seem like okay, this is the this is the true championship game. This is the test. Uh, and then you saw the next year the Chiefs won. Um, and then looking down the line, it's been fairly even. Um, I've been tracking this the back and forth for years, and it's so neck and neck. And it is due. I don't like giving the Jets any credit, but it is due to the Jets win in Super Bowl three that they were able to get it done with Broadway Joe. Um, yeah, he's a Jets specs quarterback, but that was 54 years ago. So yeah, good <laughs> good luck, Jets. He reminds me of uh, Troy Aikman before Troy Aikman a little bit. Um, you know, he track he tracks that mainstream popularity. Yeah, he's a bit of a polarizing figure. You know, he's a party bit of boy. a yeah, a bit of a party boy, a bit of a uh, playboy sort of thing, and yeah. just yeah, I don't know. Just the that's just what he reminds fur me. Of. Coats with the women on each arm, like. Almost Ric Flair-like in his uh, demeanor. Yeah, that's that's it. So, do you want to take us through our next nominee? LT, Lawrence Taylor, NFL MVP, two-time Super Bowl champ and one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, I think, without sort of argument, he can probably be called the greatest defensive player of all time at very least. Um, just an absolute wrecker of shop. Uh, led the Giants to their two first Super Bowls and was just, yeah. What is there, what else is there to say about Lawrence Taylor? He's the greatest defensive player of all time. I would not like to be hit by that man. All right. So who do you think wins that matchup then, H? I know you're not going to give it to Joe. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you make <laughs> make this decision because I'll take my bias out of it. Um, I'm still going to go with Lawrence Taylor. Thank um, you. Much Thank to you. Your, Thank you very much. I think it's just. <laughs> The, the Super Bowl, um, the extra Super Bowl, I think. And the fact that he main evented WrestleMania 11, I think, just puts it over <laughs> the line for him. He won an MVP as a defensive player, which is pretty big as that, well. That so is so hard to he do. He won the QB award as a defensive player, so <laughs> good job. Good job there. All right, Lawrence Taylor's going through, and in his way is going to be either Eli Manick or Enrique Lundqvist. I've probably butchered that name, but... I'll do my best. Um, did you want to take us through Eli Manning? Oh, yeah. So Manning was um, a two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants and Tom Brady's kryptonite. Um, he started. <laughs> Thank <to> you, Eli <laughs> Manning. <laughs> he started 210 consecutive games, and he is the franchise leader for yards passing, touchdown passes, and completions. Um, it's funny how he's the third best Manning quarterback to play in the NFL. And he's still done all of those things. It just shows uh, that family is uh, pretty talented. Pretty talented. In, in 10 years, he might be knocked down to fourth if Arch Manning keeps it keeps I think it up. that's certainly a chance. You never know. Um, I think w- what sort of knocks Manning back a little bit is that a lot of people consider he only had a couple of good years. Yeah. Uh, like A lot of people look to those Super Bowl wins as sort of the freak. Cinderella runs that they were. I mean, 2007, they came from a wildcard team to beat the under... As at that time, undefeated Patriots, they were 18-0, and 0, uh, beat them in the Super Bowl with the famous helmet catch. There's so many moments with Eli Manning, the helmet catch. Uh, you look at the, the touchdown pass at the end of that drive, um, the Manningham in 46. There's so many iconic Eli Manning moments, the synonymous with the Giants. Those moments only come from certain years. Uh, I mean, he's he's still franchise record for everything. He's still a four year four time Pro Bowler as well. Like yeah, he's a very good quarterback. I think underrated at the end of the day. Um, but how does he compare to Hanrik? 
How does he compare? Yeah, King Enrique. He was a goaltender for the Rangers. Uh, he took them to Stanley Cup, played for about 20 years uh, with the uh, with the Rangers there. He won five consecutive Rangers MVP awards. Um, as we've said before, we're not the biggest hockey fans, but we thought it was right to give some due to uh, ice hockey in this, uh, in this situation. And King Enrique was one of the greatest uh, Rangers of all time. There you have it. So I'm not a big NHL fan, so I'll leave this one up to you. I probably got less of an idea than you, who already doesn't have much of an idea. So. I think, um, <laughs> I think with the Super Bowl wins and all those iconic moments itself, I think Eli Manning just takes it over Enrique. All right, so we'll speed it up. We are down to our final four now. It's a, it's an all Yankees semifinal and an all Giants semifinal. There you have it. So. Our first matchup, Derek Jeter versus Rivera. Ooh. <laughs> Who is the better Yankee? Who is the greatest Yankee of all time? I mean, Babe Ruth's up there, but I, I as we think, mentioned yeah, earlier. I think that the honorable mentions can also be in this conversation. I think Derek Jeter was the face of that Yankees team. Rivera is the greatest closer of all time, but he's not out there day in, day out playing every single every single innings i think that Derek jeter he was that face he's the captain um he yeah absolutely incredible player you look at moments like when he retired um you look at all the world series wins he he had the famous like the last year he toured around all the stadiums and they all gave him a um a present when he was uh when he was finishing up I think that that is only saved for, yeah, the greatest of talents. And I think Derek Jeter, even TV's movies, they all reference Jeter. I remember, I think it was the other guys when um, Mark Wahlberg's character um, got heaps of stick. Everyone hated him because he, um, injured, he shot Derek Jeter. Uh, <laughs> um, like, he's just, he's that icon of, he was, he was the Yankees for 20 years. He was that recognizable figure. I mean, people maybe look at A-Rod as well as that recognizable figure uh, maybe for some different reasons than Jeter but Jeter was just absolutely figure of the Yankees and I think uh, just gets through on this one yeah I'm gonna have to agree I think he just gets through here I I think it's it's a very close one flip a coin um, but I was doing a little bit of reading before this as well and it looks as though it is the consensus that he just nips Rivera there and probably gets in front um, whether he ranks five, three, two, whatever it is. Yeah. But everyone seems to think Babe Ruth. But yeah, as we said, you know, being not in our time. Um, yeah. And that also leans towards Jeter as well, you know, being more relevant for us as well. So Exactly, um, exactly. I think we'll have to go for a conclusive but not uh, convincing Derek Jeter win. I think so. I think so. Let's move on because we are running out of time quickly in this podcast. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, Eli Manning, who you got? Um, Lawrence Taylor for me. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Eli Manning has a lot of moments, but Lawrence Taylor was the better player. He was the face of the Giants uh, in those 90s teams. And that MVP from defensive, a defensive position. So I think as Unheard we mentioned of. before. Unheard of. And I think that Aaron Rodgers robbed uh, JJ Watt of one, uh, which I know will get under your skin. <laughs> um, but I think that, yeah, it, it's a true testament to how dominant a defensive player can be to win that award. Now, the final Lawrence Taylor, Derek Jeter. Who you got? 
Oh, man, I'm torn on this. I really am. I'm not... I could go either way. Yeah, because, like, I'm not a huge baseball fan, and I'm not a big Jeter fan. Like, I, I don't really like Jeter. Like, I respect him, but I've never been a big Jeter fan. Yeah. Um, so, it's like, I'd stick towards Taylor. Um, but then again, like, if I'm a New York person... You probably got to think that Jeter is that most influential. New York loves Derek Jeter. And I think if we're picking from our perspective, the answer might be different because we're very NFL based when we look at our American sports fandom. New York loves Derek Jeter, and I think the icon that New York wants would be Derek Jeter. And that's the thing: who's the symbol of New York? Who's the icon? It's, it's got to be Jeter. Jeter. That's it. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. I think that was a jinx there. We said that at the same time. <laughs> Let's take us through those moments then, H, because uh, I think you've got a few written down For here, which sure. I'm excited to talk about. There are so many iconic moments when researching this. Um, and it was one of those things we talked about with Jordan. They're not just World Series wins. They're not just... There's moments in each of these which are iconic and constantly replayed. Uh, number five, Yankees hit King. So um, in the against the Orioles in 2009, I'm hearing their name a lot in the Jerry Cheetah moments, which upsets me. But he got a career hit number 2,722 to pass Joe DiMaggio uh, for the most hits in Yankees history, a record he holds to this day. Number four was his last uh, home game uh, at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx and the walk-off single to down the Orioles. Again, the Orioles. The Orioles. Uh, <laughs> walk-off single and you should have seen the crowd. They went absolutely crazy as their hero, Derek Jeter, got them one last magic trick in the Bronx uh, <laughs> and got them that win. Uh, number three was the uh, Mr. November home run in the 2001 World Series. So it was the first ever game to be played in November. The game started on October 31st, but as the minutes ticked away, just over midnight, Jeter hit a clutch home run, which ended up tying the series to all against the Diamondbacks, and they went on to win that World Series. So an iconic home run uh, to help them out in that World Series. Number two was the 2009 World Series. It was the fifth title of his year of his career, and it was his last World Series championship. Uh, lots of iconic players on that team as well, and he played a big part in them getting it done. And number one in the 2000 season, he was the World Series champion and MVP. And the iconic moment from that... So it was game four, and they're playing against their Crosstown Mets. It was a Subway Series World Series. Uh, game four, first pitch of the game. He's the leadoff hitter, home run. Jeez. First pitch, doesn't even take a pitch, hits it for a homer. And he led the Yankees to beat their cross town rivals, the Mets, in five games. They smoked the Mets in that World Series. Wow, what a career. Absolutely iconic and so many amazing moments. If you'd like to check them out, they will be on the TikTok shortly. Um, so ter check out those uh, Derek Jeter moments because they are going to be very iconic. But it's time for us to quickly go through our mailbag as we almost hit the hour mark in the podcast today. Uh, first question from Rick from Newcastle. Why have the Knicks been such a horrible franchise for the past 15 years? This answer is one that requires a big, big answer. Um, but I'll summarize it for you. I think they're a poor organization that makes some pretty poor choices. Yep, um, agreed. I don't think they know how to build a winning culture. 
um, from the ground up. Um, they try and buy their players every year. No one wants to go there, which means they overpay every year and they get subpar talent. So it's, it's not good enough to win. Dysfunction. Dysfunction. They, they just they're always like a roundabout. Like they hire Thibodeau who's scared of a rebuild. So they end up finishing eight to twelve in the um, east every year or maybe a little bit worse but they're never right down the bottom so they never get that first or um, overall pick I mean they got RJ Barrett a few years ago even if they got the first would you trust them with it? yeah it's it's like (laughs) are they going to make that mistake but it's just I think they make poor decisions from their draft choices coaches trades salaries releases and everyone's going to agree with me here that knows about the Knicks it starts with their owner, James Dolan, who I absolutely hate and who everyone absolutely hates. Mm. And once James Dolan leaves the Knicks, I might actually become a fan of him. That's how much I hate him. <laughs> yeah, it's sad when such an iconic franchise from such an iconic city is struggling the way that they are. It, it really... It, it would be better for the sport if the Knicks were good, but I don't, I don't know how long it'll be till that happens. Yeah, and, and just ask just ask Spike Lee about James Dolan and the Knicks, and uh, <laughs> he's having to bite his tongue because for sure. Yeah, look, he's uh, he's not a very good owner. So, yeah, I think that's probably a big issue there. What? Uh, so, second question we've got Joe from Newcastle asks: What do West Coast need to do for the rest of the season? How do they sort themselves out? Um, they need to play their young guys. Yep, I think I that's was just about a to must. say blood blood the young ones and. Um, this year's not going to be it. Get get yourself ready to reload next year. Yeah, look, I think that's it. And I think they've got a lot of older talent that they're now questioning. Do they move on and take some of their salary? Um, do they commit to a full rebuild like North Melbourne have? I think they've got a decent, like decent within inverted commas. They've got a list that has been at some points in their career been a very good player. I mean, um, they're still not too far off from winning their championship. Yeah, like it's they it's won tricky. the flag not too long ago. Yeah, as an aging list and with some injuries, and that's the thing, they cop a lot of, everyone's like, cut them some slack with COVID, but it's it's not that, they're just, their organisation is, uh, it's in a bad situation right now. Yeah. So I think, yeah, play those young guys, um, continue to develop that youth and build a system um, that you think can work or develop those players. You have to. As best as possible. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, next question, Noah from Newcastle asks, is Jason Horn Francis's rising star nomination controversial? Straight up, yes. Okay, so the reason why I say that is because Jason Horn Francis is, is one of, I'd argue, is probably coming second in the rising star at the moment, yet to receive a nomination um, until this week. So he receives that nomination in a 50-point loss to Carlton. He has 20 disposals and probably was one of like one of his worst games for the year, while yeah. still a pretty decent game, you know, picking up that those 20 disposals. It was probably one of his worst games for the year. Um, and we had other guys like Greg Clark from West Coast who had 25 touches, or 24 touches, I believe, seven marks, six tackles. He puts on a really big, big day. And even Jack Carroll from my Blues has 20 touches and a goal, and um, eight marks and yeah. plays pretty similar to Horn Francis, um, like for like. So, does he deserve to probably win it on the week? Maybe not, um, but he's he's going to receive that nomination nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I was having a look at the selection criteria, and it 
it's noted that they're judged to have played at a reasonably similar similar level to previous rounds. So the previous rounds actually are taken into consideration, right. which I didn't know. Yeah, that's interesting. So by that selection criteria, I don't think it's controversial, but in terms of the fact, I think he was going to receive that nomination at Anyway, I think the AFL should probably just hold off. Like just he's going to get yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like Wait till he has one of those breakout standout performances to give it to him, for sure. But, yeah. Look, I think I think um, it's certainly a consideration for the AFL. Yeah. Moving forward on how they judge it. For sure, for sure. Last question we've got. Rob from Warners Bay asks, is Zach Wilson going to work out as an NFL player? What do you think, H? Because you... <laughs> know the Jets better than anyone I do I do and it makes me giggle watching how much he struggled last year um, honestly no he's not going to work out as a player because he plays for the Jets I think that they know how to ruin players Sam Darnold was touted as the best prospect in his draft and the Jets ruined him to the point where he said he was seeing ghosts so everywhere he went they played the <laughs> Ghostbusters theme when he ran out uh, absolutely amazing trolling but um, I don't think the Jets can develop a quarterback and I think that his struggles last year they linger it's not something that will just go away i think he had a, an okay second half to the season but that first half was grim it was one of the worst rookie quarterback performances i've seen in a long time yeah and the pressure now does shift to him we noted and i noted earlier that i thought they had a really really good draft i thought they had a decent free agency yeah but, uh, yeah, now it's all on him. Like you said, it adds that pressure. He's got to get it done. If if the Jets don't perform next year, it's on him. And as a second-year quarterback who didn't have a good first year, that's a lot of pressure. That's the thing. He shows glimpses, but glimpses, everyone sh- everyone has He shows glimpses and then yeah. throws five picks the next week. Like, that's, that's insane. Yeah, like everyone has talent in that NFL. Yeah. Everyone has talent in professional sport. For like, sure. You're going to have glimpses where you play well. And so, I think that underrated is how much a going to a stable quality organization turns talent into superstars, turns them into quality talent. Whereas you can be a great player and just be unlucky with where you're drafted. And I think that Wilson potentially is that. Maybe he just wasn't as good as he was scouted to be. But no, he plays for the Jets. So no, he won't be a good quarterback. They'll never get a good quarterback. <laughs> the salt is real with you, my friend. Absolutely. You've had your Essendon fun. This is my these two weeks are my New York Jets bash weeks, and I am taking every last second of it. Alrighty, well that brings us to our lock of the week. Um we are currently all tied up at three apiece. Ooh. We both couldn't get the job done last week and it's no. looking like we are uh they're not locks, maybe bet against us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, please don't, please don't base your uh, sports bet uh, account on us because you will be sorely. Yeah, <laughs> we might be- have the cheese touch. Yeah. So um, I picked the West Tigers to beat St. George. Uh, they played uh, all they, right. They nearly got it done. They nearly yeah. got it done, but you, can, you can't score six points and expect to win a game. Um, and then Geelong... Uh, you picked them to beat Fremantle, and they did not. The Dockers, like you said before, got it done uh, in Geelong. A big win for the Dockers. I don't think you were off on your pick. I think that the Dockers just surprised us. Yeah, for sure. I think surprised everyone. 
So, this week's Lock of the Week, I've picked the Warriors to win Game 2 against Memphis. Uh, we talked a little bit before the pod about it will be tough, uh, and you don't think Memphis is going to go down uh, again in their hometown. I don't, uh, no. But I think the Warriors are too strong. Um, I'm pumping your team's tyres just a little bit and maybe, hopefully, giving them a bit of a jinx. If they go up 2-0, I'll be very, very happy. Back to the <laughs> Bay Area where hopefully you can even just split one of the games and you're up 3-1. Yeah. Um, so that's and it. we all know how the Warriors go when they're up 3-1. Okay. When, when they've got <laughs> circumstances. The joke was there. I'd be crucified if I didn't make it. Fair call, cool, mate. Uh, who's your lock of the week? So I'm going a bit different here. I'm backing all three M's this week in sport. Ooh, the Melbourne Demons to beat the Saints, the Manly Seagulls to beat the Tigers, and the Melbourne Storm to beat the Dragons. So neither of us could get one pick right. You've picked three games in one. I've went for three favourites, a little bit more favoured than what we usually They're go They're all with. strong favourites, aren't they? But you know what? Tigers beat the Eels. I could see that done. I, the Saints, you've crapped on them this week. Can they prove us wrong and beat Melbourne? Melbourne are due for a loss. If Who knows? They can, if they can beat Melbourne, I'll take back every single word that I said. There you go. And the Dragons, can they beat the Storm? I don't think so. The Storm are running hot, but... It's an option there as well. So, those are our locks. I like it. Creative one this week. Well, I think that's it for our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate the support we've got. There's been episode 14 and, yeah, it's stoked. along. Yeah, stoked with um, how it's all going and, yeah, hope you're enjoying it. So, if you are enjoying it, make sure you uh, subscribe, you follow us. Uh, at Road Trip Sports Pod on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you can find us Road Trip Sports Podcast on YouTube. Any inquiries, any stories you've got, we'd love to hear them. Next week is going to be in New York again. We're going to be talking about outdoor sports. So if you've got any stories, uh, maybe you've been to see a game at MetLife, maybe you've been to Yankee Stadium or the Met Stadium, and you'd love to tell us all about your experiences, we would love to to hear them make sure you get in touch with us road trip sports podcast at gmail.com once again is where you can find us for that uh, make sure you check out the tiktoks the derek jeter video will be coming out very shortly after this podcast is posted um and yeah i hope you have a great week hope you enjoy all the great sport that's been going on this week and uh we'll see you next time see ya <laughs>